Amen. I'm grateful that you're here today. And, uh, you know, I was reading something this morning or uh, this weekend about Memorial Day, and I feel like it's appropriate, something that I should be saying to the congregation and to anybody that really wants to listen. There was a highly decorated um, officer communicating about Memorial Day, and he says, it's not happy Memorial Day because there's nothing happy about what happened there. He said, Memorial Day is not the first day of summer. It's not when the lifeguards are out. It's not when you barbecue hot dogs and hamburgers. It's a time of reflection. It's a time that you remember what happened. And not just for the last people the last 10 years, but for the people that have gone for the last couple hundred years for our freedom. He was writing saying, Memorial Day is the time to remember what has transpired so that you can barbecue, so that you can go to the beach, so that you can live in freedom. And for me, I've, I've lost a little bit of my freedoms on my own nature. By the way, I did it myself. But when you don't have freedom, it's something that you cherish. And we should cherish this. So really, I, my challenge to you is to be thankful for the patriots that have gone before. But think about this. Think about the patriots that have served, and we're so grateful if you've served today. If you've served, raise your hand. I'll give you a free gift. If you go to Lowe's and register, my father-in-law gets 10% every time we go, so go get that. But if, if you've served, uh, we're so grateful. But there's people that have, 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 have had spouses that go constantly, and there's people that have died. And that's what we're supposed to remember. Not just the last 10 years, 20 years, but the last couple hundred years died for our right to preach in public. And come to a community center. So we should remember and be thankful and use these next 24 hours to reflect. It's great to have a day off, but the day off is not just for social events or to go to the beach or go to the mountains or go fishing, but to reflect and remember. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Man, I'm so grateful for what you have done in my life and the freedoms that you give us all. Father, as we stand before you today, as we are here, teach us to remember all that we have. To not be complacent, not to be misled by this world and think that this day is just a day off from school or work, but it's a day to remember all that have gone and lost their lives and given their lives for our freedom and all that serve and leave their families so that we can live in freedom. We thank you and praise you for who you are. Bless these families in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever woke up feeling insignificant? Have you ever woke up thinking, man, I just feel worthless. I just don't feel like I'm supposed to feel. I believe I'm the son of the most high God and I just don't feel worthful, worthless. I feel worthless. Have you ever woke up feeling lonely and afraid? Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I in the right place? Am I where you want me to be, God? Have you ever woke up wondering, Lord, are you even out there? I keep praying, I keep seeking, I keep reading, I keep going to church, I keep thinking that something's going to happen and nothing ever happens. Have you ever woke up going, Lord, I just need something tangible. I need something to hold on to. And yeah, the Bible's good, but I read it and it just kind of goes through me and, and beyond. Have you ever just asked God, throw me a bone? Shoot me a text, I, I'll, I'll, reply, I'll reply next time. Or have you ever gotten to a point in your life where it's like, Lord, just throw me a crumb. Just a crumb. I'll do anything just to have a little bit of you. Today we're going to talk about that. 
As we go through our series, Jeremy created this series a couple of months ago. It's called Brave. We're talking about brave women in the Bible. And we're excited about that. There's brave men in the Bible and there's bad men in the Bible. There's brave women in the Bible as well as there's some Jezebelian type of women in the Bible as well. And we're trying to look at the story to encourage us around Mother's Day, all the brave stories of women in the Bible. And, and it's to encourage us all, not just women, but all. Because we want you to know that there's amazing people in the Bible and we use the Bible to encourage us so that we can be brave. You know, when I was thinking about Brave, I was in Georgia with a couple of my friends, and we were doing a conference, and I wrote some notes down, and here's the thing I wrote. We are a brave church. I don't know if you guys know this, but we made a decision when we started in the backyard right up the street on Carmen that we were going to love this world, and you guys have done such an awesome job. I got a bunch of pastor friends in town, and they're like, your church ministry is so unique. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but thank you. And the reason why they say that is like, you accept anybody and everybody. And that's like, well, that's the mission that God has given us. So you guys are so brave on the way that you serve, on the way that you give, on the way that you love. And you should be giving yourself a hand for doing that amazing thing. It's awesome and brave to come into a church and say, I'm going to follow the mission. I have a neighbor across the street. He goes to another church up the road. And he's like, how come Journey is successful? And I said, it's because everybody knows the mission. The mission of this church, if you don't know it, is to love the world one person at a time. And it's not really to grow this church. We actually tell people, go to Calvary. Go to Crossroads. Go to Cam Community. Go to uh, Charlie Maloney's church over there. Go to a church that you love and go to a place and get to know the people and let them be a part of your life. Wherever you go, let God reign, and that's what we've been doing, and that's the brave part about church, and I'm super excited about that. Joshua, the book of Joshua, Joshua receives this, the, the, the mantle of taking the Israelites into the promised land, and here's what it says in the beginning of the book of Joshua, and this is the memory verse Jeremy gave, it's from the Common English Bible, and it says this, I've commanded you to be brave and strong, haven't I? The command is for us to be brave and strong, and what happens, the world creeps in, and we start to live in fear, and we're afraid. But the command is to be brave and strong. Don't be alarmed or terrified because the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you're at, wherever you go, God is with you. For those that are doing great with God, that's a really edifying statement. For those that struggled last night, that's not a very cool statement. He was with me in the midst of that. But even if you feel guilty or ashamed, he wants to bend down and come to you and say, I don't care what's happened and where you've been, I just want to be with you. No matter where you're at. And that's kind of what we're doing. Today we're going to talk about a brave story in the Bible about this woman. But before we get there, I want to ask you, who likes tests in here? I know there are two nurses right here, my kids. One daughter that loves tests who's not here. She's working today. And one daughter's like me. She's like, negative. I'll take the whole week off if there's tests. So today I want to do a test on faith. I want to put up some stuff and I want you to do a, a faith test. What does it look like to have faith? And I'm just going to put some words up and I want you to kind of do this in your head where you stand on some of these things because I don't know if you guys know this but from Sunday to Sunday a lot of stuff happens between the week. You know, you get a call at five o'clock in the morning, Monday morning or Midnight on Tuesday and your dad's in the hospital, someone's mom's passed away, somebody's been in an accident, somebody's been injured by another person. From week to week, things happen, and the question is, where's your faith when those things happen? And I want to just go through this test. You lose your job, and here's the first part of it. You lose your job. Will you rejoice 
over you complain. I had a friend of mine that was helping another friend move, and he talked, I go, hey, how's your week? He's like, well, I got laid off. But he wasn't complaining. He used it as an opportunity to do something else. Are you that person that complains, or are you the one that rejoices and says, this is an opportunity for me to grow and maybe be in the place that God wants me to be? Will you face the fears, or will you turn away and run away again? When things happen, when you get that call and you hear that something tragic has happened or that your, your finances are in the negative, will you face that fear face to face or will you actually turn and run away and try and forget about it? Will you seek wisdom in the times of need or will you try and do it on your own? This is the one, especially for men, we try and muscle it. There's a thing that we use in our church. It's like, hey, we're going to try and muscle this. We'd rather work harder, not smarter. And so the question is, will you seek the wisdom of God? One of the prayers that he wants to answer every time is wisdom. If you seek wisdom from God, he wants to give that to you every day. Or will you try and do it on your own? You have a problem with a marriage, a, a, a spouse. Don't look, because it could be right next to you. Will you focus on the promise and the vows that you said in that marriage? Or are you going to continually focus on the problem? Promises or problem? What is your focus? Here's another part of the test. You're in spiritual darkness. You feel alone and left out. and You don't know where you stand with God or anything in this world. Will you help others in hard times or will you focus on yourself? Here's what I've learned in my short time in ministry. That when you help people, when you're depressed and empty and feel alone and afraid, all those endorphins go from your spinal cord into your body, and for a brief moment, you start to feel better. Even if you're depressed and you feel miserable about your existence, when you serve and help, your body starts to feel it, and it makes you feel better, even if it's for a brief moment in time. And Trump, I promise you, if somebody that has been tragically depressed or feel alone for weeks, months, and years... That, that few minutes feels like an eternity when they feel good. Will you abide in God's love or will you be drawn away when something hits the fan? Will you abide in God's love? Will you fall to the foot of Jesus? Or when something comes, will you run to a temptation? Will you run to a, a, a crutch, a drug, an alcohol, a click on a, a website? Or will you cling to Jesus? When death comes knocking at your door to your family members and friends, and we've had a lot of that uh, in this church, will you walk in peace or will you let anger rule when things are difficult? I've done a lot of uh, uh, funerals in this place with a lot of you. and um, Here's two things that happen in a funeral with people. You're either going to run to God and into his arms and just collapse. I don't know what else to do. Or you run from God and you get angry. And that's the question is, where's your faith in that? And finally, when, when you're struggling, if you've got a kid and, and, and kids are struggling, they've got an ailment or they got some sort of disease or they're struggling with drugs and alcohol, whatever it is, will you trust in God when all else fails or will you continue to trust what we call man-made solutions? The question is this, where's your faith on these? Is your faith about rejoicing and facing your fears and focusing on others, focusing on the problem or the promise? As we get into today's story, we're going to talk about brave faith from this woman that wants just a crumb of what Christ has to offer. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to talk, to, talk about a story in the Bible of a woman who has great brave faith to seek God for all that he is. There's a, a woman, she, the, the title of the sermon is The Brave Syrophoenician Woman. 
She's a brave faith and has, she's from uh, Syrian Phoenicia, and she's a woman that does some amazing things with Jesus. This story happens to uh, happen right before Jesus goes onto the mountain of transfiguration with his big three apostles. And it's right after that, Lazarus is raised, and then Jesus ascends into Jerusalem to the cross and to his death, and then his resurrection. So in Mark chapter 7, we're going to read this story today, but just know he's well beyond his ministry and he's almost to the point of the cross that's where this story occurs in mark chapter 7 the first 23 verses jesus is communicating to us about purity what does purity mean and how does it work in our life what does purity look like and he tells the apostles you need to quit following man-made rules and you need to listen to what god is telling you he says isaiah predicted that you guys would say things from your mouth but in your heart you would believe something else you know what would make the church feel really comfortable? I, I met a lady about six months ago or a year ago, and she goes, Oh, hi, Pastor Jeff. I'm new in town. What are your rules of the church? I'm like, I don't know. You better go ask my wife. She's the one that manages the rules. Um, but the truth is, if I put seven things on the, on the, on the screen that said, he, These are the rules that the church should do to abide and make your relationship great. You know how many people would take pictures and go, I did the rules this week. I made it. But those would be my rules on how I work with God. They're not your own. You need to come up with what God wants in your life. We're not to live in man-made rules. We're to live in God's grace. And that's what Jesus is communicating about purity. And then we come to Mark chapter 7, verse 24, where he leaves the community and goes into a foreign town. And he's doing this for respite. So if you're able to stand today at Journey, we stand for the word of God because the word of God is powerful. The word of God is life transformational. And we open up the word and ask for it to speak Boldly. So let's read. After Jesus was communicating about purity, it says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out that demon from her. I'm going to stop right there and read. On Sunday mornings, we want to pray. I'm going to ask you, if you don't know what's going on in your life, if you feel lost and your faith is weak, I just ask you to ask God to speak to you today. Not through my words, but through his words. Ask the Holy Spirit to work and minister and watch God speak boldly. So if you're brave enough, ask God to speak, and I promise you he will today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you bring your spirit here to edify us, to build us up, to equip us to become saints of the Most High God, so that we can do the will of God. I pray that you will bring salvation and you will grow our salvation experience. Lord, I pray that you will reveal your heart so that we can understand it and that you will speak boldly to us, Lord. And I pray that you will transform us, that you will transform us from things of this world into things from your heart and things from the Word of God. So, Father, we pray in your name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So here we see this Syrophoenician woman come to Jesus. Now, Jesus has left from Galilee. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, I've been blessed to go a couple of times. We think we have a map up here. And you see Jesus is at the top of the Sea of Galilee. I know we have a map up here. You just got to pray, and hopefully Jesus will show himself. 
If you see at the top, there's the Sea of Galilee. You see the word and there's a circle there. Actually, if Jesus had a headquarters in the world, it was Capernaum. And in that place is where Peter lived and he had a house and he did a lot of church services. Today, in that same region where Peter's house is, there's a church that meets regularly. And that would be what we would call the headquarters because they constantly retreated. Now, Jesus goes from Galilee and that Capernaum region into Tyre and Sidon. It's this Phoenician region. And it's away from Jewish people. And now he's in what we call a foreign territory. And here's the thing. Jesus is being found out wherever he goes. His ministry is starting to grow. So everybody in that region, in that whole area and beyond are hearing the great things that Jesus is doing. And and the crowds are swelling and people want him 24-7. We know that Jesus always went away in the morning early to pray before uh, the day came on. And late night he would go. We see in the garden to pray and connect with God. But he's struggling because ministry is hard. Jesus was a great minister, but he was human, 100% human as well as 100% God. And as he is ministering, he needs some time for himself because that's how he rejuvenates. Now, listen, I've been a pastor for almost 12 years now, and I love people. Honestly, I love people. I can talk to you all day long. I can talk to two or 200. I love it. But trust me, when I go home at about 3 o'clock, I, I crash because as good as it is to talk to you, it's, it's exhausting. You guys got a lot of stuff. <laughs> Jesus is in that same place here. He's like, I'm going to go put my feet in the, in, the, in the sand at the beaches in Phoenicia, and I'm just going to get me, first service I said a horchata. I don't know. I don't even like horchata, but he wants to go into the beach, put his feet in the, in the sand, and he wants to take a break and get connected, but he wants to get away from people. It says in our text, it says he didn't want anyone to know which house it is. So can you just picture him like with the TMZ following him? There's Jesus. He's trying to get into the house, right? He's trying to get in because people are, 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 are trying to get a hold of him. And he's like, I just need some time. He needs some rest and relaxation. The, the Bible tells us we are to have a Sabbath day and take some time off. But ministering to people, people, you guys are draining. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying that in the negative, but just sitting back. You can go to a barbecue tomorrow and be in a minister, and you could be talking to people, and all of a sudden there's, there's conflict and there's chaos, and it's hard. And Jesus is experiencing that, so he always is rejuvenating. So he's left, and he doesn't want anybody to know. He really wants to stay away, but the crowds are swelling, and this Syrophoenician woman comes and falls at his feet and cries out, and seeks Jesus. And you know what happens? Jesus is silent. There's these two stories. There's Mark chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 15. They tell the story in two different ways. But we, we, we kind of put both stories together so that we can have a fullness of what Jesus is trying to communicate here. In Matthew chapter 15, here's what happens. Here's what the story says from Matthew's perspective. Have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that to, to torments her severely. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever had a sick child at all. Some sort of ailment or sickness, it takes a lot out of their parents. My, my, one of my best friends, Jeremy Kays, and his wife, Tara, they've had their kid in the NICU. You know how much that consumes a family? Just, just with a sick kid, and he's somewhat healthy. It takes a lot of time, right? When you have a kid that's tormented, it takes a lot of, 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 of um, wherewithal to make it through. 
And that's what we see. This woman is just at her wit's end because her child is struggling with some demonic things. But Jesus gave her no reply. Matthew 15, 23 says, Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged them to send her away. This woman is bugging us. Get her out of here. I'm just going to go to my horchata and put my feet in the water. We're done with this girl. Don't you guys know that we're taking some time away from ministry? Jesus, you promised no more ministry. And so he's got his apostles out there trying to deflect everybody, saying, Jesus, you're going to take some time. You need to get some tacos and, and fill up, buddy. So now this lady, this Syrophoenician lady, for the first time seeks out Jesus in his Jewish name. Son of David, have mercy on me. She calls out in this proper Jewish name, Son of David, have mercy on me. No response. So the second time she calls out, he just says, Lord, help. Jesus, come. Please. It's very simple. It's not formal. And all of a sudden, instantly, the Lord comes into the, into the situation. She comes and worships him, pleading with the Lord, help. I need you. I want you. I want you to be a part of my life. Then we go back to Mark chapter 26, or verse 26, chapter 7. It says, she was a Gentile born in Syria, Phoenicia. And Jesus told her, first, I should feed my children and then my, my own family, the Jews, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to dogs. So his first communication after she cries out, Lord, help. Her first communication, his first communication is, hey, I need to take care of my own here first. I need to take care of my family. It's not right for me to take food from my children and throw it to dogs. When we look at this in the black and white, it seems very harsh and very firm and kind of rude. You're calling this lady dog. I'm sure she's not super excited about that. I know that nobody in this church would want me to call you dogs constantly. If I did that over the next four or five weeks, the church would thin and thin and thin. And I don't even know if my family would stay. People don't want to be called dogs. But we need to understand it. Dig into it to understand. Here what we see is Jesus communicating that he needs to take care of the Israelites first. In Matthew chapter uh, 15, 24, it says, I was sent to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. The people of Israel, God's chosen people, were lost. They were struggling. They were apart from God. They had these religiosity mindsets and they were doing religious things, but they didn't have a heart for God. They didn't have the great faith. They were more interested in what they looked like. Are we like that today? Have Christians turned into the Pharisees of the 21st century? We're more worried about how we look instead of how we really are and how much pain we're going through. Well, here we see Jesus, and his first words are, I'm going to take care of mine, and I'm not going to give some crumbs to some dog. Right? And the dog is a strong word. Jesus uses the dog, but Jesus is using the words that a Jewish person would use to a foreigner. He would call them dogs or a pagan or a fool. In the Bible, three or four times you see these words used. You're a pagan. You're acting like a pagan. You're acting like a fool. Or here he's calling them a dog. And that's actually words that the Jewish people would use. The Jewish people thought anybody outside of them were filthy animals. And they wouldn't even go into their homes. So Jesus is using this word, but he doesn't use the, 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 the Hebrew word. He uses a Greek word, which is a diminutive word, which means small dog. 
Kunarion is the word in Greek, which means little dogs. It's household pets, not these scavengers. I think we have a picture of, of this woman, and you see the little dogs. I got this little cute dog. Her name's Clover, and she just wants to sit on your lap constantly. That's the kind of dog that we're talking about. When we go to Mexico, there's a bunch of dogs walking the streets, and they're scavengers. They're horrible dogs, and they've got mange on them. Mange is this disease they have on their back as they roll and all kinds of stuff, and they're eating dead animals and carcasses. They're terrible, and if you, if you pet them and, and, and they get that mange on you, it could be devastating to your life as well. The, the place right next to our mission base down in Mexico, this guy has a dog, and he's bitten like seven kids from the church. Not your kids, just other kids. From some of the other churches. No, actually, they've actually bit a couple of kids. Um, but God's good. He does. So the dogs, this is the thing. The Jewish people are calling them dirty dogs. Jesus is calling them a little house pet. It's different. And Jesus uses the same term, but he's kind of giving him some light on this. And this is where this brave woman kind of shows her faith in who she is and how she trusts in God. Here's what she applies. After she says, after Jesus said, first I should feed my children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from my children and throw it to dogs. Her next statement is, she replies, true Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plate. She gives this mar marvelous response. She's not going, you call me a dog, fool? She goes, true, Lord. You know, even the dog can get the scraps under, underneath, the, underneath the table. This is what Jeremy's house looks like right now. This is how he feeds his kid. <laughs> Poor Zeke. Um. Here's the thing about, about scraps. Jesus wants us to understand that he is enough for everyone. And he wants to give us. And this woman says, Lord, I understand that, that it is true you're supposed to take care of the Jewish family. But really, if you have ability, can you give us a little bit of scraps? In Matthew and Mark, Jesus is saying, first... I must take care of my own. If you read the text, this first word is really important because he's not denying her any help. But he's trying to show, first, what I'm supposed to do is take care of my family and my own. I don't know about you, but when I do marriage counseling, one of the first things I do is, how are you loving your wife? And is your wife or your husband, when they walk in the door, are you loving them first before the family and everybody else? There's some ways that we are to be blessed in a, con in a marriage. And the first thing you need to do is honor your wife or honor your husband first, and then take care of the kids, and then handle the business outside of that. That's how God's blessings work. And we see that here. Jesus said, let me take care of my family first, and if you're appropriate, and wait, and are patient, then I will work with you. And that's basically what she does. She is patient, and she waits her turn, and she then is not arguing with God, but she's negotiating. I don't know if you guys like to negotiate. My wife tells everybody that I've got this really unhealthy relationship with Verizon Wireless. It's been going on. It's probably the longest relationship I've ever had. It's going on like 12, 16, 18 years. And I call, and I'm always going to a supervisor trying to get our money back, right? But I'm negotiating, honey. And she goes, get off the phone. <laughs> I'm tired of you talking to other people with me. So. But here, this woman is negotiating, and she's trying to let Jesus know, I'll wait, and I'll take my turn, and I'll wait, and I'll take a crumb if you'll give it to me. I'm not afraid of that crumb because that's all I really need to get where I need to be. That's a powerful statement. 
And here's what Jesus says in verse 29. Mark chapter 7, verse 29. Jesus says, good answer. As she's negotiating, Jesus looks at her and says, she is willing to take whatever crumb that I'm willing to give her and make it part of her life. And if that crumb is enough for her, what kind of faith does she have? Great answer. He loves that. This woman that has no name but gets noticed in the Bible gives us a good answer. Now go home, he says, for the demon has left your daughter. And when she arrived home, we found that this little girl was lying quietly in bed and the demon was gone. When you have struggles in your life, when you're going through places where your faith is being tested, do you have the same mindset as this Syrophoenician woman does? She is willing to do whatever it takes. She's willing to do whatever it takes. If it means rejection and humiliation to save her child, she's doing it, and she did it so that she can get whatever she needs from Jesus, even if it's just a little table scrap that falls off the table from his children. She is willing to do whatever she can to save her suffering child. A little bit later in our text in Mark, Jesus does the same thing. He walks into Jerusalem. He's rejected. He's humiliated. He's beat. And he suffers a death on the cross. And he raises up. And he also does all of the same things so that he can save his children. That would be me and you. So that we can have eternal life with Christ. This Syrophoenician woman really pleases Jesus. Jesus rejoices about this woman. This woman comes to Jesus in a way that honors Jesus. The way that she communicates isn't demeaning or angry. It isn't argumentative. What it is is she's using his words, and Jesus realizes that this lady gets it. I don't understand. She's not a Jewish woman, but she understands faith. She understands me, and she's using my words. She accepts her place, and she honors these Jewish children and that concept of honoring Jewish children. Do you remember what Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 14? Listen to what it says. It seems like this lady knows this verse. It says, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Here we see this verse, and it's like this lady knows, Jesus, I know how much you care for the little Jewish children. I know that, and so I'm not even going to ask for anything. I'm just going to say, whatever crumb or table scrap that falls off, I'm going to be like that little dog, and I'm going to take it and make it part of my life. Is that enough for you? Is that little table scrap enough, or are you demanding far more? As Americans and as Californians and as people in this Pleasant Valley, we get complacent and we demand a lot from God. And the, the point of this story is to come back and remember that Jesus wants us to honor him and persist and, and, and watch God do great things in our life. Now today as we leave, I want to give you some application. What does this story mean? What can we take home with it? And I put some notes in, in your green thing, and I want you just to kind of sit and see which one makes sense to you, if not all of them. But here's the application that we see. Brave faith. This woman has brave faith. She's willing to go up to Jesus and communicate with him. And even though she calls him, uh, he calls her a dog, she responds and says, I don't care what you call me. If you just give me a little bit of a crumb or a table scratch, I'll take it. She has brave faith. And here's some application. Brave faith overcomes many obstacles. If you think about some of the struggles in your life and all the things that are hindering you, brave faith overcomes obstacles. Here's some of the obstacles that she had. First of all, she was a foreign she wasn't from Jew, uh, uh, Jewish territory. She was actually probably against him. She would be considered a pagan. 
She was in a different country, so she overcomes that barrier. She's a female, and I don't know, today we're talking a lot about gender in the news and the media and social media, and it's a lot different today than it was 200 years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. This particular region, the, the Jewish women were less than, but they were treated far more better than these women in this pagan territory in Phoenicia. They were treated like animals. And so here, this woman has broken the barrier of, of her gender and goes before the Lord. The, the third thing that we see is she's, she's overcoming Satan. It says that the Bible tells us that her child was possessed. The child had demonic possession, and she overcomes Satan. That's not a barrier. Whatever's going on in my life, I'm not going to let Satan hold me down. And she stands the test of time in that she overcomes that obstacle. The apostles were trying to get rid of her. She overcomes the, the disciples or apostles of Jesus. And even Jesus was quiet at one point. Seemed like he was against her. And she overcomes that. When you have brave faith, you can overcome many obstacles. When you have brave faith, it happens. Brave faith happens in all kinds of circumstances. In unfavorable circumstances, that's when you have brave faith. When Jeremy started this sermon series a couple of weeks ago, he said, when we come into circumstances that are tough and unbearable, when you get that call, that's when bravery happens. We can say we're brave, but when the call or the, 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 call or the complaint comes in, that's when you become brave. Brave faith can handle any circumstance. Faith becomes stronger in the time of distress when those, are ten, when those people who love Jesus are tenacious when they depend on him. Brave faith will trust in Jesus as our, our, as our lives will be tested through these trials. Brave faith will seek the welfare of others. When you're in a time of need and in crisis... When you feel like everything's lost, you are to turn your life over to God and then be used for his ministry. This woman is saying, I'm willing to do whatever I can. I'm struggling in my own personal life, but I'm going to take my brave faith and I'm going to go out and try and think of my, other, my, my daughter and, let, and intercede with God for her daughter. Brave faith allows us to seek the welfare of others. Brave faith shows us humility. This woman's character shows genuine faith. If you've ever needed something from God, she falls on her knees, she's rejected, she's humiliated, but that still doesn't hold her back. Last week, Jeremy was up here worshiping, and he was challenging you, hey, let's worship Jesus, and don't worry if somebody's watching you, your husband or your wife or your kids, come before God and open your heart up and worship the king like he's supposed to be worshiped. That's what brave faith does. We don't worry about other people. We come humbly before the Lord. Great faith is seeing one's complete dependence on God. On, on a normal Sunday, we ask people, come to the prayer. There will be prayer people up here. Come to the front and kneel. Sit in your seat and turn your heart to God or kneel before God in your, in your row. The point is, is if you have faith and it's brave faith, put it before God and let him work and do wonderful things in your life. Brave faith shows us persistence and endurance. This lady was persistent and endured. She was steadfast and, res and resilient in her request for the Lord. It was reminiscent of this woman, Ruth, another amazing woman in the Bible. And this Ruth was told by her mother-in-law, Naomi, she's like, go home, Ruth. Your sister's gone, go home. There's nothing I can do. You're just going to be miserable like I am. And Ruth says to her, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you die, I will die. 
She says, don't ask me again. That's the type of tenacity. That's the type of persistence and endurance that happens. All we need is just a little crumb today. Is that enough for you? Is that enough to make your life full and, and healthy with Christ? I've got two more. Brave faith can bring about endurance or deliverance. I'm sorry. Brave faith can bring deliverance. You know what? I wish that if you had an ailment today that we could just come up and pray and, and, and ask God to remove it. But not all of us get delivered. But it can, when we have brave faith, lead us to deliverance. Lead us to a place of deliverance. And even if it doesn't happen here, if you believe in Jesus Christ, all of us will be delivered of all of our ailments, all of our struggles, all of our sicknesses, all of the depression, all of the loneliness, all of the uh, oppression that we experience. When we accept Jesus, no matter what, when we make it to heaven, we will be healed completely. Do you believe that? We need to cultivate brave faith. We need to cultivate great faith so that we can obtain a greater deliverance by what we call the great physician. But it starts with you being brave and saying, I'm going to walk through this moment. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to walk through this moment, and I'm going to not let the world crumble over me. I'm going to stand up even as everything around me is falling apart. And finally, brave faith can bring great spiritual insight. This woman has great insight. When she comes before God, she's not saying, Lord, I need you to stop all that you're doing. I need you to stop your vacation. I need you to not worry about the children and, and, and anything else. I need you to just focus on me. She's not trying to change the course of the history for her daughter. She's just saying, if you'll take just one second and give me a little bit of a crumb, I'll take whatever you got and I'll receive it and it will make, it'll make my life so much better. When we come before God, is a crumb enough? If you're like me, I want a filet mignon with some lobster and a baked potato with all the fixings. But the truth is, God says, sometimes all I give is you is a little crumb. And if you take that crumb and, and, and allow it to become part of your life, it will nourish you from now until eternity. All we need is that crumb. Faith is based on understanding the will of God. Understanding who he is. We talk about reading the Bible at church not because it makes us feel better if you read. It makes me feel better when I read. It makes me understand the will of God when I know what he wants. And he wants that for you. Great faith is found on knowing him. It's not living in our emotions. Our emotions isn't faith. If my emotions ruled my walk with God, none of us would be right. But our faith is grounded in knowing him not our emotions or our mindset. And God wants us to know him more. Sometimes God uses our circumstances, our situations, or that time in the desert where we can't feel him, we can't understand him, we don't know what he's doing so that he can develop us and develop our faith. If you're in this place of trial, if you're in this place of loneliness or that feels like the desert out there, I don't hear God, I don't see him, I don't have anything tangible, he's using it to develop you. Are you going to run to a temptation? Or are you going to trust in the promise? Are you going to face your fears? Or are you going to run to something that's going to numb out your life? Great faith uses, uh, overcomes our circumstances and our situation. I want to close with this today. If, you, um, if you're looking for some place to in, in, enhance your faith, my challenge to you this week is to read 1 Peter chapter 1. 
First Peter chapter 1 is a place of faith. And in the middle of it, I want to use this section to kind of close the message out. Peter, the one that the church is built on, the rock of the church is communicating in one of his letters. And here's what he says. So be truly glad that there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you may have to endure many trials for a little while. Be glad because no matter what you're going through, there's going to be joy ahead. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire is tested and it pure and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when, you, when your faith remains strong through trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor when the day that Jesus is revealed to the world. When Jesus comes back and you've had this brave faith, you've stand the test of time, death and destruction and divorce and job loss and job change and children growing up and struggles. But when you stand up and you have this brave faith and nothing has broken you down, Jesus comes back and says, good job. You've done it, and now you're going to be with me forever to worship you. And I want to close with the, this last part. You love him even though you've never seen him. Jesus isn't here, but his spirit is. We call that the Holy Spirit. Jesus left and is up at the right hand of God, but here that's left is the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is to disciple us and bring us closer. He says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you don't see him, you trust in him, and you rejoice with his glorious and inexpressible joy because of who he is. That's why we worship. That's why we celebrate. And the reward for trusting him is that he will, he will, well, we will receive great salvation for our souls. Jesus wants to build us and make us whole. He wants to make us right with God, and that should be a place of joy and, and, and excitement. So today, as we close today, the question is this. Is a crumb enough? Are you like this woman that she's willing to take whatever you got, Lord? Let's just close your eyes. If you feel like you want a little bit more from God, will you just open up your hands? Just bring yourself to a place of receiving. If you're never in a place of receiving, how could God ever bring something into your life? Just open up your palms and put it before God. Lord, let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask for you to speak boldly today. That you speak to us and that we receive something. And Lord, we will take whatever you have for us. Whatever crumb drops from the stage and from heaven, Lord, into our laps. We receive that right now. And ask that you build us so that we can have great faith and that we can go uh, through whatever is in our, on our plate right now. Whatever struggle, whatever trial, whatever desperate plea we have before you, Lord, give us a crumb so that we can stand through all that you have for us. Let your unexpressible joy come upon us as we receive this crumb. And Lord, if there's someone here that wants to receive more than a crumb, but a, a, a walk with Jesus Christ, new salvation, if that's you here today, we'd love for you to uh, repeat a prayer after me and become part of Jesus' children. If that's you, just repeat after me. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I know that you died and that rose again for my eternal life. And I thank you for that. Holy Spirit, come over me right now and teach me how to walk in a brave, faithful life with you. Teach me how to live for you. Teach me how to be like you, Lord. In the name above all names, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.